8 today, so if you have your Bibles or if you want to grab that one in the middle of the row, you can go ahead and turn to Samuel chapter 8. We're going to read it in several different parts there, so you might want that so you can follow along. Uh, I'd tell you what page number, but I don't know. If your Bible's different than mine, it won't work. (laughs) So uh, in last week's look at Samuel, if you remember... The people turned back to God. It said after several years, they had turned back to God, and Samuel and his leadership helped them. And uh, he put up an Ebenezer stone, a stone that had a special significance. That's why he named the stone. It meant God has been with them thus far. And so it means God is my help. And so he put that there and said, for everyone in the nation, This stone represents that God is our God and he has been with us and he has helped us thus far. And then as God gave them that victory over the Philistines, it was because they had turned to God for help. They weren't trying to do it in their own strength and their own power and their own wisdom. They turned and cried out to God and Samuel cried out to God on behalf of the people and and the Lord gave them the victory. So today we're looking at um, another chapter. A few more years have gone by, and uh, what we're looking at today is getting what you want. So was there ever anything that you had really wanted to have in your life? Has there ever been anything you've really wanted? Yeah. So looking at that, most of us would say, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's been stuff I really wanted. Uh, What do people do when they really want something? Good question. Sometimes they can go buy it, but what if? What else? Work for it. Search for it. Pray about it. Wait for it. Yeah, wait for the time. Uh, have Have you ever known people who try to make it work out when it's not really working out? How about if uh, people, you try and tell them that's not a good thing and they don't want to listen, don't want to listen to reason? Or ignore the fact that they don't really need it. Uh, So those are some negative things along with the positive things you guys said. That was great. In Chapter 8 today's scripture, it starts out by letting us know that Samuel now had grown old and that the people have something that they want. So let's dig in here. Chapter 8, starting at verse 1. When Samuel grew old, so we don't know how many years later, but quite a few, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. So let's stop right there for now. 
Solomon's sons, Joel and Abijah, it tells us, did not walk in his ways. They didn't walk the way Samuel did. And Samuel's following the Lord. So that tells us that these guys are not following God. And it says that they were dishonest and took bribes. So just like Eli's sons were corrupt, these guys were not righteous. They were not following God. And there's kind of a generational thing here going on, even though it's not blood relatives. The generational thing, some of it's the sins of the family get passed down. And since Samuel, from the very young child, was around Eli and saw Eli parenting his sons, Samuel saw that parenting style. And he didn't get to benefit from seeing the style of parenting that his parents did, of following God and raising up a child in the way he should go. Eli apparently did not do that, or he didn't do it well, and he allowed things in his own sons. And then here we have Samuel was not shown how to raise his own children later, and the sins of Eli and that parenting affected Samuel too. So as the years go by, Samuel, it says he's getting old, and so he needs some help, and so he appoints his two sons to actually be judges to govern over Israel. And they were judges in Beersheba, it tells us. But it tells us that while they were there, they were dishonest. They were taking bribes. They perverted justice. And judges were from the tribe of Levi, which is the tribe that Samuel is from. And they would sit in the gates of the city to hold court. We have an example of this in Deuteronomy 16.18. Appoint judges and officials for each of your tribes in every town the Lord your God is giving you, and they shall judge the people fairly. So that's God's idea, is that these these people would come and sit in the gate of the city, and they would administer justice. If you had a, a dispute with somebody, you would come, and they would give you what God was, God's word was for you. They would tell you what the law would say about your issue. And if you wanted other things, uh, legal questions, they could answer them. But it tells us that Samuel's sons who are sitting there in the gate of the city are perverse with their justice. They are not administering it fairly. They would take bribes. And that means if you needed a deal with your case, you could buy the verdict in your favor by handing them a little money was all about money. And so it didn't go very well with the people of Israel. I mean, it wouldn't take you too long to figure out what was going on, right? Even if it was kind of under the table, bribery going on, it wouldn't take long for somebody to figure it out. And the people, after these several years had gone by and all of this nonsense going on with Samuel's sons, they said, you know what, we've had enough of that. And so they come to Samuel and they say, hey, you're old. Glad they didn't come to me. And say that you know they they just laid it out there they said hey you're old and your sons are corrupt apparently you are old enough that you are not able to handle your sons so appoint a king to lead us like the other nations have see the people of israel thought okay all this problem going on the answer to it is a king like the other nations and so when samuel heard this request he was not happy It tells us it displeased him. So a group question again, why do you think that displeased Samuel that the people wanted a king? They weren't relying on the Lord. 
They wanted to fix the problem their own way. They looked around them and everybody else had a king. Yeah, they're going back to their old ways of like, let's us solve this. Instead of coming to Samuel and telling him that first part, that was good. You're old and you're not controlling your sons. <coughs> they're corrupt. We need to do something about this. Instead, what he uh, does, they do is say, hey, let's get a king. <coughs> so this was not at all what Samuel wanted. Uh, he thought, you know what, the people, they're rejecting me. And why he thought that was, <coughs> God would speak to Samuel and tell him to listen to the people. And, and so the way that God wanted it to happen was that the people would come to Samuel, he would go to the Lord, and the Lord would give the answer. When there were righteous people in the leadership, the king wasn't needed. But the people didn't care about that. And Samuel goes to the Lord, and God says, listen to the people, give them what they want. It's not you they've rejected. They've rejected me as the king. So God's plan for Israel was to have the priests and prophets hear from, the, from God, but the people were rejecting that. Thank you. So they're rejecting what God's plan is, but God says, you know what, go ahead. Let them have what they want. And God tells Samuel, you know what, don't take it personally. Do not take it personally. They're rejecting me. In fact, since the time these people have left Israel, or Egypt, to come to the land of Israel. They've been turning to false gods and idols off and on. God says, now they're doing the same thing with you. They're just like turning away from you, turning away from me. You know, if we're not following Jesus Christ, there's going to be a void in our life. There's going to be something missing. We might think that what we lack is in the world around us, and that's what these people thought. They thought, hey, Let's go after some things that the others have. And we might think that too. We might think, you know what? I see these people out here. They're going after all this other stuff. Maybe that's the answer. I have this void in my life. I can't seem to fill it. I should just go do that. Money, things, fame, and popularity, those are all common things that people want. So these people of Israel saw that the other nations had kings, and they felt jealous because they wanted to be just like their neighbors. They felt like the odd guy. You know, everybody else has kings. We want a king. And as, as we know today, uh, there's many people that play, play the lottery, right? And right now there's a lottery jackpot worth quite a bit. And over the months and years, there have been people who bought lottery tickets. I'm not asking you if you did. I'm just making a comment here. And because they wanted to get rich, right? Why else would you buy a lottery ticket? You want to get some money. So they buy the ticket, and, <clears throat> and they're wishing and hoping, and maybe some people are even praying that they will win the lottery, right? <laughs> but hey, the lottery is not the answer to all those people's problems. You know, thank goodness, what, whatever it is, the lottery, whatever, you know, a new job, whatever, whatever we're wanting, God does not, thank goodness, give us everything we ask for. Because if we got it, as has been said, we might be crushed by the blessing. God knows that we couldn't handle many things that we want. And maybe we want money so we can live like everybody else. 
or the, have the right clothes or the right house. Enough money to do whatever we want. And uh, not necessarily the future that God has for you. And sometimes the things we want might be good. We're not saying everything's bad that we want, but sometimes the things we want might be good, but maybe they're not what God has in mind for us to have. History shows, uh, just back to the lottery for one second here, people who win the lottery big, within seven years, 70% of them, two-thirds of them go bankrupt. So the lottery is not the answer to everybody's problems. Uh, God tells Samuel, listen to those people, but also tell them about their future under a king, what the king would do and claim as his rights. So let's read on and see what that is, uh, starting in verse 10. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest. Still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves, and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants, your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourself will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen but the Lord will not answer you in that day. So Samuel gives them the word of the Lord. It's a warning of what's to come. If you have the king, this is what will happen. And everything that the people have will become subject to their king. Their sons will be made to serve in the army. Others will be made to plow and reap his fields or make weapons of war, and the daughters will serve by making perfumes or baking or cooking. And it says the king will take the best of the land for his fields. So that's kind of like too bad if you own it, king's taking it. He'll take the best of the vineyards and olive groves, and not just for himself, but for his officials and his attendants. And a new thing, taxation. A tenth of what you have has to be given over to the king. Uh, They gave 10% already to the temple, but now this is another 10% they're forced to give of grain, wine, cattle, donkeys, flocks, whatever they produced had to be given over to the king. And then the most severe warning in verse 17 tells them, and you yourselves will become his slaves. Okay, so thinking about all this, what would you think if you heard this If you're in that group and and you are all saying, yeah, yeah, we want a king, and you hear all this, what would you think? Changed my mind. I don't need a king. Yeah. God tells him, on that day when you become his slaves, you will want relief, but the Lord will not answer you. And that sounds kind of harsh. But I I believe what the Lord is saying, for the Lord to answer them, they would need to repent. 
You can't just cry out for reliefs. It requires a change of heart. It requires a heart surrendered to the Lord. And that was not the state that these people were in right now. And so God told them, a lot of your freedoms that you have, a lot of what you, uh, your blessings, it's a lot of that's going to go away. Because a king would be ruling them instead of the Lord. So then the last three verses, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, everyone, go back to your own town. So the people say to Samuel, when he tells them all this, they go, no. And it's kind of like saying, no, that's not true. Stop talking. No, we want a king. So have you ever known someone who refuses to listen to the truth? You're telling them the truth and they're saying, no, I don't believe you. They, they think they're right. And they won't hear the truth from you. And the people of Israel here were refusing the counsel of Samuel, refusing the words of the Lord. And they tell him, hey, we want a king. We want a king. <coughs> We want to be like everyone else. We want a king to lead us, to go before us, to fight our battles. It sounds like a bunch of kids, doesn't it? <clears throat> they're, they're not listening to the warning. They're refusing to hear what Samuel has to say. They're demanding what they want. They have an unreal version of reality as you look at it, right? Right? They're demanding what they want. The king will fight our battles, they say. Well, I mean, actually, the king's not just going to go fight their battles. He's going to make them fight the battles. And the king's going to take whatever he thinks he needs to fight those battles, and that's going to be your sons, it says. They're going to have to go. So they have, he's told them the truth, and even in telling the truth, they have not heard the whole word, have they? They've turned it in their mind to make it the best situation. Well, to Samuel's credit, after all of this, he goes back before the Lord. And he goes to the Lord and he tells them what the people are saying. And God tells them, okay, listen to what they are asking for. Give them a king. So Samuel sends them back to their homes to wait. Okay, there's times when we really want something. And maybe it's not the best for us. But we get that desire in our hearts, and it's hard to let go, right? So the question would be, what do you do if you have a desire? How do you move forward? How do you have that desire in your heart um, and do something about it before the Lord? How should you be talking to God about it? How did, so how, it's how, did, how do we talk to God about our desires? The first thing is we have to be honest about why we want it. Be honest about why you want what you're praying about. Is this a need? Because, though you know, God wants to hear what we have to say. Sometimes, though, we're coming before him with wants, not needs. Or is it because everybody else has it and you want it too? Is it because it's a challenging situation and you don't like it and you want to be out of it? Because that can happen too, right? 
That doesn't mean that what you're praying about is bad. But if your desire is something that you want just because you want it and not because it's a need, you need to carefully check into that, okay? Uh, See, what effect is this going to have on me if God gives me this? What is the cost going to be? Can I afford it? And would anything else in my life suffer because I, I got this? Maybe you want a new job because you don't like your current job. Uh, God sometimes places us in those challenging situations to challenge our faith, to grow us in our faith, and to become more like Jesus. I once had a job that was so stressful and so difficult that I would come home many days and and tell uh, Pastor Steve about it, and I'd be crying and asking God, please move me to a new job, God. But I sensed that God said, no, you are there for a reason. And he would tell me when I should leave, which he did after four years. But listen, that was four hard, difficult years. But in those four years, I saw God get me through it. I went through the valley of the shadow of death. But when I came out the other end, I was sitting at the table of the Lord, feasting in him. So we need to be honest about why we want what we're praying for. And the second thing, we need to listen to what God tells us about that request. When we pray according to God's will for us, we have God's promise that he will answer us. In Matthew 7, 7 through 8, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, if you just read this just like this and not any of the verses around it, you would think, hey, I can get anything I want from God. Just have to ask, seek, and knock, right? I'm going to just skip to the end and knock, right? Okay, well, here's the deal. The context of that is not that we get anything we want. The context is that it's talking about spiritual things. Jesus is telling the people if they asked God for the things they needed, if they knocked on the door of the will of God, if they would seek after the things of the Lord, God would answer their prayers. We don't have a carte blanche with God. You know, we don't have any old thing we want. He is not a vending machine. We can't just go up, put in a prayer, and pull the knob, and out drops the blessing. When we want something, we need to come to God and ask him, Lord God, is this for me? If this is the thing that you would see in my life, please give this to me. Please give me that, whatever it is, you know, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're seeking God on, come before him and trust him. Listen to what he says, because the promises of God are for our protection, for our provision. They are not for excessive gain or material things or fame. Second Peter 1, 3 to 4 says his divine power, the divine power of God, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. 
When we ask God, he will answer us, but we just need to be willing to listen. A few years ago, Pastor Steve and I were trying to buy a house. We, we were moving, and we needed a new house, and we submitted what we sent, sensed was a fair offer for that house. Uh, it was a house we could really see ourselves living in, but the owner wanted more and would not budge on the price. And uh, even if we could have paid it, we felt that's too much based on the condition and location of that house. So we gave our last offer. We, you know, we went up a little bit, but we said, this is it. This is all we really feel like we can offer. And then we prayed about it. Well, the next night, I had a dream. And in the middle of the dream, I'm dreaming this dream. And all of a sudden, I realized in the middle of the dream, kind of like a commercial in the middle of a TV show, God kind of broke in and said, do you want that house? Because if you want that house, you can have it. And I said, Lord God, I only want that house if you want me to have it. And then that was over, and it went back to the rest of the dream. So when I woke up, I shared the, the vision with Pastor Steve, and we both agreed we just need to wait and see what God does. So we agreed to stand firm in the offer we had submitted. And when we heard back from the realtors, we did not get the house. They rejected our final offer. So a few weeks later, as we continued to look, we found another house that we had been unaware of that was the perfect house for us, so much better than the other house and less money. And so we offered on that house, and we got it. And that house, it, I believe that was God's house for us. He wanted to bless us with that house. I walk through that house and I want to pinch myself every day saying, God, I can't believe you gave us this house. It's such a blessing. We need to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. We need to read the Bible, the word of God, and see what that says. We need to look at our circumstances and visions and dreams and prophetic words from God, we need to take all of that into account and listen to what God is saying and showing us about our requests. The third thing we need to do is desire the best that God has for you, the best that God has for us. Sometimes people think, you know, God just doesn't want me to be happy. Well, that's not true. God does want you to be filled with joy and to be fulfilled in your walk with him. And, he, and what he wants is to give us that best thing he has for us. But most of the time when we think that, you know, I don't have what I want, it's because we're looking at other people. We're comparing what we have to what other people have. If we do that, we're never going to be happy because there's always going to be someone that has better, bigger, or more than us of something. And so if if we are like that, we're going to be like Israel, and they got themselves into trouble by comparing themselves. All the other nations have a king. We want one too. And so they didn't listen to God. They didn't check with God. And as we see in the reading more of the, the Bible, the history of Israel, leaders of kings and other leaders are just people, and they can lead you into sin and away from God. Our desire should be what God wants for us, 
not for what we ourselves think is our best. There's a verse in, uh, a few verses in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And you know, it tells us here in this verse, the devil's going to try and make you think you don't have something you need. And God's not giving it to you. And so, you know, he wants to lead you away from God. He creates an opportunity to desire it so much that you're focused more on what you don't have than on Jesus Christ. God wants to give us what is the best for us. He wants us to live full lives, full of the blessing he has for us. And we know that from other verses. We know that when we live according to the plans of the Lord, he wants to give us blessing. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. As we seek the things of God, as we follow his will in our lives, as we use the word of God as the plumb line for how we live, and, and as we pray and ask him for the things that we think we need, and, and uh, as we come before him with our requests daily, with thanksgiving, he says in his word that he wants to give us blessing. He wants to prosper us. He wants to give us what we need and beyond that, even what we want, as long as it is in alignment with his will, with his plans for us. So as we pray about those desires that we have, we want to be honest about why we want it. We want to listen to God as we make our requests, and we want to desire the best that God has for us. Would you stand as we close? Just ask as you stand, if you would just bow your head, make it a private moment for you. And just be honest with yourself right now. If you'd say, yeah, there's, there's something I've been praying about. There's something I've been wanting. Whatever it is, if you've just been praying about something that you feel you need or you want, just raise your hand. Okay. So the next thing is this. If you are willing to trust God for this, and commit your way to him and say, God, I want your best for me in all areas of my life. Just raise your hand. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for this example in your word of, of why it's not good to just ignore what you want for us and just go after stuff that we want. There's always a price. Lord, help us not to be chasers of things chasers of the stuff the world has to offer but lord help us be god chasers to chase after you lord god to chase after your presence to seek your face not your hand lord god that we have your promises that you will bless us when we follow you we have your promises that you want to prosper us but lord help us not make that our focus 
Help our focus be on you, Lord Jesus. Help our focus be on seeking the things of the Lord God. Father, I pray right now you would fill us up to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Give us the power and the strength to follow you. Help us, Lord, to be open to your uh, word in us. Lord, Holy Spirit, just speak to us, lead us, guide us as the word says you do that we can know how to live our lives. And Father, for those things that you desire for us to have, Lord, help us to not just want them just right this very minute necessarily. Help us to wait on you for them when you say it is right. Lord God, we trust you with our lives. We trust you with our possessions. We trust you with our provision, with our protection. In Jesus' name. As we leave the ark of your dwelling, O Lord, set our course that your clear light may shine upon our way and the hand of your compass may point us forward. Then shall we neither miss the channel nor wander from your safe harbor. May your peace be still that was spoken upon the Galilean sea, still and calm our hearts in you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>